welcome to episode 90 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. I'm Brett Nolan of AppAddict.net, and with me as always is Trevor Sheridan of App Advice. In this episode, Trevor and I patrol the streets in search of vandals and Apple's missed guidance numbers while avoiding bloodthirsty aliens. How you doing tonight, Trevor? Doing good. That That's uh, actually a really good setup of missing numbers plus vandals. It's It's just nice. I know. I, I tried to hit everything in like a nice, concise, but fun teasing of what we're going to talk about. And so that succinct setup allows us to start with Apple's earning report for Q1 2019. And if you've ever listened to the podcast or follow Apple in any regard, you know that Q1 is Apple's most important quarter because it actually covers the holiday shopping season. And back on January 2nd, Apple issued a rare warning that they were going to miss their guidance. So at the end of Q4 2018 in September, they said, we plan to make 89 to $93 billion for this holiday quarter. But now on January 2nd, Apple's like, we're wrong. We're going to miss that guidance. And they put it down to $84 billion. And so now the numbers are actually released. And it came in right at $84.31 billion with profit at $19.965 billion. And... Compared to the year ago quarter, or the yeah, so in 2018 they made 88.3 billion and 20.1 billion. So they're barely off on profit, but revenue is off by four billion. And really, the big thing is that Apple told everyone in advance that we're going to make less. That's not a thing that Apple. The last time they did it was 2004, and Steve Jobs pretty much said directly. We are going to miss our guidance, but don't worry. We have some great stuff coming down the pipeline. It was a weird quarter mix, this, but we don't have to ever worry about that again. Tim Cook, he did a different route in true Tim Cook fashion and apologized profusely, essentially, and said, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, we totally messed up. We don't even know why we messed up. This is just all kinds of different ways to say sorry. And it was a much longer piece in saying sorry, and there was no really guidance towards the future. And so... Every single person who writes about Apple or tech in any way has dived into this and, you know, the sky is falling for Apple. This is the end of the world. And it's really interesting because this is also the first quarter that Apple's transitioned to not release the unit sales numbers of iPhone, iPad, Macs, etc. And they're kind of following suit of what the rest of the industry does. Like Amazon never says, Google doesn't say, Samsung doesn't say. So Apple's like, we're not going to tell anymore. And it coincidentally goes right in time when iPhone unit sales are down. But people don't know exactly how far they're down because Apple didn't tell us. Right, right. Well, the other thing is that there was that whole doom and gloom thing. And everyone thought this was going to be a horrible, horrible quarter. But in, in actually, it's their second best quarter in his Apple's history besides last year at this time. That was their very best. This is their second best in terms of revenue and profit. And so it was not nearly as bad as people thought it was going to be. I do find it interesting that now they've stopped telling those iPhone numbers because people, the sales of iPhones are dropping. People are keeping them longer and it's, they're expensive. They're really, really expensive. So this is the time for them to kind of just put this all in there and then go with what everyone else is doing and stop reporting these numbers because they're going to start looking worse and worse. At least that's my prediction 
as time goes on because these things are so super duper expensive people are not going to be updating them every year or possibly even every two years they're going to be holding on to these things for much much longer uh unless apple forces some obsolescence of some sort just because they've invested a lot of money into these devices right and that's part of the story and then the other part of the story is that Apple, a lot of their drop is from China. And China's a definitely interesting conundrum that it's not going to be solved by Apple or even kind of scratching the surface with just Apple's impact there. They might be facing a recession. The trade war might have an impact internally in China. But regardless, there's you know changing trends in what people like. Are iPhones still a status symbol? It's all kinds of stuff. But no matter how you slice it, there was a lot less iPhones sold in China, and that's really the growth market potential for Apple. I mean, they've kind of reached a saturation point in the U.S. and North America and in Europe where people are going to get an iPhone, they got one. People who aren't going to get an iPhone, they're never going to get an iPhone. So it's kind of the always the Wall Street perspective of Apple is you're not a growth company anymore. I mean, you're making more than all other companies around you had your second best quarter ever in the history of time but you're not growing and that's always kind of the where you look at things and it's really interesting because people always look at apple from their perspective you know they're kind of where they're at oh i see everyone around me has an iphone too so iphones must do well or no one i know has an iphone so it must not be doing well but it's so much bigger than that because really in north america that only accounts for about a third of Apple's earnings. 66% is international. So a drop there is going to have a much bigger impact than a drop here in the U.S. Or likewise, same with growth. So that's always kind of interesting because we have that skewed perspective of us of seeing things every day to day and that determining things. Like, oh, all my friends have AirPods, so AirPods must be doing well. Or, you know, whatever the case may be. Oh, all my friends switched to Macs. Or no one's buying iPads anymore around me. They're going with all these other things. So that's going to dictate Apple's earnings. But it's really not the case. Right. And what's interesting as far as that international market goes is they started to reduce the cost of the iPhones in the in some of these markets where sales were down to try to encourage sales they they dropped the actual price of the phone so it costs less elsewhere because they're trying to drive up those sales and get those increases uh, in other countries or other areas where they can. I mean, like you said, in the U.S., it's pretty much a saturated market. People have bought what they're going to buy. They're going to hold on to these for a while and not necessarily going to be buying anything new. It's only like new people coming into the market, but that's not a high percentage. You have a lot more people that already have these devices that are either waiting to upgrade, don't need to upgrade, or just are going to ride it out because they spent the money on it. So, I yeah, it's these other areas, these other countries, China specifically, where you're going to see the biggest impact on their their bottom line, and that's why they're focusing on these other markets. Yeah, and it's funny because I don't see the, what is going to create a change for Apple simply because they've decided to go with making everything more expensive. The iPhone's more expensive, the iPad's more expensive, the Macs are more expensive, the Apple Watch is more expensive. And so if you're driving everything to be more expensive, 
I don't see how next year, oh, here's our brand new phone. We went back to that $700 price, but it still has all the features of the iPhone XS, plus we added some new stuff to it. So, you know, they can never get to that point, and that goes across the board for all of their things. And so it really is interesting what you can do going forward, because if you look at their earnings, you know, revenue was down $4 billion from last year, but profit was only off by a few million, you know, like $100 million. So those big higher prices is actually generating about the same amount of profit for Apple. And I think that's the ultimate bottom line they care about is the gross. So that's really interesting that maybe they keep those prices. Say they sell a few less iPhones, but they're making just as much money at the end of the day. I don't know how bad Tim Cook or anyone at Apple is going to feel. Well, the other thing they they blamed the drop in iPhone sales on was that whole battery replacement plan, which they had. And I did it for three different devices, where it was only $29 versus the $79 that that it normally costs. And I did it for my iPhone X, which was a year old, but it was already reporting that the battery had degraded a huge amount. So I went ahead and did it on that. I did it on two other older phones, a 6 Plus and a 6S. And I took advantage of it. Going forward, I'm thinking, and so they blame, they said people aren't buying new phones because they were able to replace the batteries and keep their phones longer. To me, now I'm thinking, okay, I spent $29 on this battery. Next time around, do I, in two years, do I, if I'm still happy with this phone, do I just go ahead and replace the battery again for $79 and just carry this phone on even further because it definitely breathed new life into the phone. I don't have to charge it constantly like I had been. Uh, And am I going to get around to having to spend another $1,000 just by buying a new battery. I mean, granted, you're paying Apple, and that's going to be virtually all profit for them for these battery replacements, because I can't imagine it costs them $79 for one of those batteries. But uh, that's another area where they lost out on profits because those were $29 battery changes, and they also affected sales of the devices. So you have this other revenue stream that was kind of cut off last year because of that sale that they have on the batteries. And that also goes into the idea that Apple's making really good phones, and that's something the entire tech industry is facing, that it's kind of the law of diminishing returns. How many new things can you add to the iPhone to really entice people to buy a new one? It's like, we make the screen bigger, we make the processor faster, all that good stuff, but there's comes a point where the iPhone ten or the iPhone 8 or the iPhone 7... They run everything that's on the App Store. There's nothing like, God, my phone can't even do this. So (laughs) the better, you know, it's just that whole kind of idea that you've gotten to a certain point where the phone is so good that they're going to, there's no real problem. The only people who are really like replacing it heavily are people who are super invested in brand new tech, you know, and the regular common person doesn't really care. Their phone does all the things that they're going to do with it. And so they're just going to keep using it for another year. And, you know, the S years always kind of emphasize that. But even on their big redo years, you're still upgrading the same thing. You know, it's always the screen. It's always the processor. It's always the camera. And none of those things are really problematic on any phone at this point. Right. They, you almost would think they'd be more better off if they went in and tried to find more technologies 
other devices to sell you on. You're already in their in their whole infrastructure. I bought the watch this year. So I have the AirPods. I have a Mac. I have an iPad. I have an iPhone. Sell me something I don't have that I don't need to upgrade. I'm not buying your stupid AirPod, uh, your HomePod, but sell me something <laughs> else that, that I actually want. And I have the Apple TV. Like, come up with another device because if there's something else that makes sense for me to buy, I know the quality I'm getting with your, your products. I'm likely to buy another one of your products. But I don't need to replace the products I'm buying from you because they are good every single year or maybe not even every two years. So you need to come up with something else to get me to give you more money. And I don't know what that is. If I if I did, I obviously would work for you and you I'd earn lots of money. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's where I think they have to go. They have to keep on innovating with new products rather than just coming up with the next iteration of the existing products because that market just isn't there anymore, especially with how expensive and how good the products are. People aren't upgrading like they used to. And it kind of goes with CES as well. You know, you go there and each year they kind of start to blend together. And then, they're, you know, it's like, here's the new TVs and here's the new phones and you've got better TVs. And, you know, they keep on that cycle, but it's like, okay, my TV's pretty outstanding as is. And so it's like, well, here, we'll slap a little smart screen on your fridge or here, now your toaster's connected to your phone and <laughs> your blender is too. And, you know, they're grasping at straws at new ideas, but they kind of need to because, you know, the things that we have, we're good with. And so you need to now convince us to get stuff that we're not good with. And that's kind of going to be the tough thing for Apple throughout 2019 and 2020. And that's why they're emphasizing, you know, service sector growth so much. Look how much Apple Music is growing or how much the App Store is generating for us. And now, you know, we might launch this new Apple TV service or a news service or all these different ways to give us money based on all those existing devices that you mentioned that people already have. So maybe it is through services like that rather than new products or Apple Watch is a great example, even AirPods. AirPods are skyrocketing in popularity, and it's because people already have these devices and makes it so easy to connect. And I think the only kind of real growth area to make Mad Bank would be creating a bank, creating like a credit card service, <laughs> debit card service, because you have Apple Pay built in. So if Apple had their own bank that was FDIC insured, I mean, they have the money to do it. They have like $280 billion just sitting around in cash and marketable security, so they could run their own bank super easy and then it's all built into apple pay you don't need to get other different cards they have all your itunes information so they can have credit reports relatively easily done and i think that's the way for them to make money because it ties into services built on what you're already doing a lot of people have already signed up for apple pay a lot of stores are jumping on board with apple pay target just joined in i think walmart is really the only big retailer that hasn't done apple pay yet yeah, I think, uh, does Home Depot? Home Depot might be out, too. I don't know if they do it. But, yeah, there's, there's everyone, the, my only fear about them opening their own bank is that all of a sudden we might see, well, you can only use Apple Pay if you have an account with our bank. 
like this is the type of thing Apple does where they yeah, have something that. that's kind of open to everyone and then you know what we're going to pull in the reins a bit now we're going to have this really closed system again and so that would be my only fear with them doing something like that but yeah it's it's that or come up with something so crazy and different and innovative like not that I necessarily want the folding phone I don't even remember what company made it at CES but that is so radically different that you're going to you might convince someone to upgrade the phone early because of this totally different use case form factor something really different uh, I mean think different that that was their saying and they're just they don't seem to be doing it anymore but I think that's what they have to do or come up with these other services or expand all these other things that uh, have just other avenues for growth rather than relying on their products and the next iteration. Yeah, you have to build on the base that you have. Apple probably has the strongest base in people's homes of any company in the world. And just to build and expand upon that rather than trying to replace everything in that base. Yep. And so that's the Apple earnings. Again, they were down. Instead of making 89 to 93, they made 84. For next quarter, they're predicting 55 to 59, which is slightly below analyst expectations. Like they're hoping that 59 because it kind of trends with a bump from last year, but it's right on par from last year. Yep. And then not only is Apple not making as much money as they had hoped, but they're also having bugs in their system. And it turns out a 14-year-old kid found a FaceTime bug that lets you set up a group FaceTime call and then you can view the person's camera feed or no, you can just access their audio feed without them ever accepting the call. And it's a weird process where essentially you add yourself to a group chat and then that initiates the call because now you are connected with yourself regardless if the third person ever accepted the call. So the group call initiates without that person's approval. And Apple has now fixed it with the iOS 12.1.4 update. So you can update your phone and any of your devices that has FaceTime to make sure no one can listen to your audio that has a group FaceTime call connection to you. But it's just the idea that the bug exists at all because... It's not with a regular one-on-one -on -one FaceTime call. It's just the group chat. And we know that was already delayed to 12.1. You know, it didn't launch in September. It didn't come out later until, like, November, December. So you had this extra time to develop it, and you still have this pretty substantial bug, especially with everything related to tech revolving around privacy and Apple planting their flag stakely or, you know, strongly on we're the most private company there is. You know, Google and Amazon, they're going to sell all your stuff to the highest bidder. But we don't care about your stuff. We care more about selling you the hardware than selling your user data. And so to have this kind of privacy break is really big for Apple. Yeah, I think I read it was something with the live photos and being able to use those within uh, group FaceTime that they ended up that introduced the bug i mean some of these things are so convoluted the steps you have to do in order to happen they seem like corner cases that no you're not necessarily gonna actually do this all the time i don't know it just seemed like he kind of stumbled upon this but it is a big bug to have where someone especially when you are so strong on privacy to have someone be able to just basically eavesdrop on you by doing this set of routines to 
kind of create a fake group FaceTime and then you can just listen in. I mean, that's almost as bad as the whole Alexa thing where that was people were using that to, to listen to people or send out calls, uh, send out messages, private messages. And so all of these things that kind of make people scared of technology because of these bugs that happen where all their privacy is gone, although they don't realize all their privacy is already gone. I, I don't know, but it, yeah, it's, it was, it was a horrible bug. They've now fixed it, but you know, it's just a matter of time before something else creeps up that's in a similar vein. And, you know, everyone hyper reacts to things in the moment. So there's those stories. This is Apple's worst bug they've ever done in that kind of thing. And then other things that are way more serious don't get the news coverage. Like app developers can record your screen that, you know, if you have that built in without your approval and can access anything that you type or, you know, do. And so Apple's now telling people not to or developers not to do their screen recording or Facebook and Google having those enterprise certificates that let them pretty much hack and get everything from a person's device once you put those little like ad hoc type of provisioning profiles on your device i mean those are limited to their test subjects but then of course facebook goes in a, a step further and they do this whole study based on that enterprise uh provisioning profiles and they have to be their entire certificate is revoked but you know these are big things that kind of aren't mentioned as much as this FaceTime bug because that's easy to sell. People know, oh, FaceTime, they're accessing my audio and stuff. That's a big deal. Versus these, you kind of have to explain that it's this whole kind of developer code backend and it's not the same effect. But these feel like more important kind of security implications than what the FaceTime bug is. Right. You almost think that these, the, the Facebook and the, these other things, these are things Apple should have known about, like, and the screen recording, like this is stuff that they've developed into the code that people were exploiting, that they should have known that these were possible hacks. The other thing was a legitimate bug where it was just accidentally, this got opened up where yeah, you pick the thing that people are most familiar with, this friendly FaceTime calling, and that's the one that all of the news uh, news articles are going to be right, and it's going to be splashed on network news TV because they can just paranoid even like the grandmothers out there that sit and call their grandkids on FaceTime. Like, oh no, people are listening in. No, people don't care what you're doing. Like, it's just. It's a, a scare tactic to sell people and get them to watch the news. Uh, and, th yeah, they don't talk about these other things, which are much bigger implications. And Apple is much more at fault, as far as I'm concerned, in these other cases than maybe someone accidentally introduced some bug. Yeah, and that bug, I mean, it, it was a four-step process where you have to add yourself, set up a contact access the contact feed from the FaceTime call all before they decline the call because if they decline the call then that bug is out the window so it was a convoluted process and a quick kind of setup and they fixed it relatively quickly and bugs do happen but to have like you said things that you've developed for other people to use and then to take advantage of those access points that you put into your entire operating system that's really severe because it makes you wonder what is being used without Apple knowing it took them a while. Like Facebook's been doing this for since 2017. 
Oh, wow. I didn't realize it was that long. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it kind of is just balancing what you actually care about with your device. Because, again, Apple focuses on privacy so much. If you're Google and you're like, you know, you we know that you know that we're selling all your stuff. As soon as you buy that Android <laughs> phone and you put your name in, we got everything on you. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but Apple's like, we don't care. You know, we have the secure enclave to store your Apple Pay card and your Face ID data or your Touch ID data that we delete if the device ever is out of your possession for whatever reason. It's just a whole different kind of perspective on things. So they're more vulnerable to this. Yeah, yeah. Oh, to each their own. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, though, because when I first heard of the FaceTime bug, the, the all the thing that I could think of was... What's the worst that could happen? They can hear your audio, you know, the call comes in and they can hear your audio before you press accept. You're like, oh, it's this guy. Or I, you know, some like derogatory term about, oh, I don't want to talk to this prick. And so that's all I could think of. Or pick it up and tell them I'm not here. Yeah, yeah. anything like that. <laughs> uh, but it's fixed. So be sure to update to iOS 12.1.4. And now you don't have to have anyone hacking into your group FaceTime to hear your true feelings before you answer the phone and put on your fake smile. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and so that means it's time for some games because Apple has somehow stumbled onto this great gaming ecosystem by pure chance and luck. And so new games come out all the time. On our last episode, we talked about the best games of 2018. And now we're here starting out 2019 with the month of January already kicked things off to try to compete for the best games of 2019 and we'll start with alien blackout which is definitely the biggest name title this came that came out and it's official franchised version of alien it's officially licensed and if you've ever played five night at freddy's or any of the similar games this will be instantly familiar but if you haven't like i haven't and brett hasn't then the idea is that you're kind of related to Ripley, but not really. So you, it has that kind of Sigourney Weaver connection, but you're Ashley Ripley. And so you have a crew come in to the ship. The alien is already there and you're kind of overseeing the control panel. So you can access the camera feeds for particular corridors and hallways in the ship. And then you can also access the door system so you can open and close doors. And there's a motion tracking system. So your goal is to direct the crew members through the ship to get these particular objectives in each chapter. And you need to make sure the alien doesn't kill him. And so to do that, you're going to have the motion tractor to see the little red dot. That's the alien. He starts bouncing around on screen. But there's only certain hallways that have that motion tracker. So you have to constantly be aware that he can then move through the duck system and you can't follow him. And then you get to close the doors to make sure that he doesn't come and kill him. And then if you access the camera feed, certain camera feeds, you can see your crew members walking around or you can see the alien walking around and see in what direction they're walking around and make sure they don't collide. And then you can also direct the individual crew members to hide or dash quickly as the alien's getting closer. And then, of course, you can close the doors to make sure the alien doesn't get into where your crew members are. And it's all just kind of that real-time puzzle strategy idea where there's an adversary. You need to keep the adversary away from your main little characters. And 
they're going to kind of walk on their own. Like you'll see there's a targeted point they need to get to and they're going to go, you know, up the corridor and then turn right. You need to make sure that path is safe for them the entire time because the alien can change things at a moment's notice. It's not just kind of, oh, let's draw the path and then hope for the best. You have to make sure that you don't actually control the character who needs to get from point A to point B. Right, yeah, you're trying to kind of just keep on jumping around. You don't have a full full view. You can go to that map, which kind of shows you the people walking around, but you can't see where the alien is. And so you kind of have to jump between the cameras, uh, but you have these blind spots that you're not going to know if it's around. And then, Or you can do those little motion sensors to try to sense that something's around. But there's always that thought of like, oh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? So it, it kind of makes you a little kind of apprehensive and you don't know where this thing is, but you want to protect your people. And so you kind of have to jump around and hope that you don't miss anything so you can warn them uh, And while you're trying to complete these tasks. It's, it kind of puts you into the action of everything, but you're still kind of this almost like God looking down on things. So you can't directly, uh, well, you, I guess technically you can directly inter, uh, interact by closing doors and things, but you can't move those people you could just kind of tell them look you got to go or you got to do this and you're trying to keep them safe while still getting those missions done and i i think the character is um her daughter or something i think i read um from one of the later movies i only ever saw the original set of movies i haven't seen all of these these later movies so i don't know exactly how she ties in but it, it is uh uh fully licensed like you said so it does actually use the characters and use this this whole setup that kind of puts you in an alien movie uh but in a different way like it's because you have that limited access to things there is they do a good job of establishing tension though just because it's difficult to jump back and forth from the camera to the door control you know you have to choose one or the other to kind of focus on if you're busy focusing on the motion portions those are only like two hallways of six potential ones and that means they could be uh, the alien could be on camera over in a different corridor that you don't see entirely but then say you're looking at the camera feed and these you're switching between the four camera feeds the cameras don't cover the whole area so that part you can't see at all and so you have to kind of switch back and forth but it seems like every level is designed in such a way that the alien's going to cross paths with your crew members and you're going to have to do something you know there's nothing where if you leave the game your crew members are going to make it safely you're going to have to do <laughs> multiple things to get them from point a to point b and then once you get into the game the alien can also come and find you. You're not completely safe. You know, you're not just hovering above things. There's one time where the alien comes and kills me. And so it's all just kind of that constant balancing act. And it's really a, a different idea of an alien game just because, you know, you're used to the idea, oh, I'm going to kill alien. You know, I'm going to have my gun. It's well, There's other little alien monsters I'm going to have to kill along the way. This game removes all of that from it. And it's just kind of this uh, pensive way to look at the alien franchise. 
Right, yeah, it's more of like a stealth survival game than you actually getting out there bloody shooting things. And so, I mean, but it gives you that, it almost has those horror movie tropes because you're like, yeah. your people are like, oh, well, I need to go and, and get this stuff. I'm like, no, just stay there. Just don't even move. Like, why are you leaving? You're going to, and then, then now you're panicking and you're jumping between cameras and you're like, you see them walking on the little overview map and you can see they're getting closer and closer to another one of the cameras i'm like just move 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 come on just get in the view of the camera so i can see if you're safe or not and then so it kind of like gets really tense and kind of you get into it i don't know i i kind of enjoy it. i haven't played through the whole thing yet but uh i've been enjoying it but then again i'm like I don't know. I don't really have a frame of reference to compare this to to the Five Night Freddy's to see how it compares to that. This I'm kind of just going on its own experience, and I'm kind of enjoying it. Yeah, it is worth noting that Five Nights at Freddy's, the animatronic robots essentially come to life and move around, and you're a security guard. You jump between the camera feeds to make sure they don't destroy essentially the Chuck E. Cheese-inspired pizza place. And this, you know, the overviewing glance at it, it's the similar idea. It's kind of like the Westworld game compared to the Fallout game. Oh, the Fallout, yeah. <laughs> or, you know, the we had that Stone Loops of Jurassic game, and it was like Luxor, Luxor suit, and it got removed from the App Store. So the, the game idea is the same. But Alien kind of changes it because, you know, Five Nights at Freddy's, it's removed. It's creating these brand new characters. They have created their own kind of world and ecosystem to create all kinds of dolls and figures and all that kind of good stuff. But it's still not going to be the same as Alien with just the reach that it's had since it's had movies come out from the 80s up until last year. So there's all kinds of Alien fans out there. And it's just, it's a fun way to do it because a Predator game came out on the App Store and it was you playing as Predator and you got to kill all kinds of people, rip out their skulls and stuff. It was a bloody version of Predator, but you had direct hands-on of being Predator. It's not like you played as a guy sitting in a chair telling the people that Predator's to their left and you need to get out of there (laughs) as quickly as possible. I'm going to close the door so he can't get to you. And it's just a, I'm surprised. It's pretty fun game i don't know it's not the most original game in the app store but i'm not gonna knock it down because i'm not familiar with the source right right yeah yeah i i mean i i think you're gonna you have to know what you're going in to if you are someone who just wants to just shoot a bunch of aliens this obviously isn't the right game for you but if you if you like the franchise and you want something that's different uh than what you usually get with this franchise, then I think you'd be pleasantly surprised with this one. Uh, but again, you got to know what you're going in for. Yeah, you like to have. If you like a game like Flight Control or Harbor Master with that path drawing idea, or you like kind of those top down real time strategy games where you're just directing units across the screen and then you let those units do battle, you're going to be riding home in this type of game. Yep. And so it's Alien Blackout, it's $4.99, it's Universal. And next up is Beat Cop. It comes from 11-Bit Studios, which started off with those Anomaly games, which switched up the tower defense style to make it tower offense. And then they made this War of Mine, which was a really interesting, gritty take on being essentially the residents of a war-torn country. You know, usually with war games, you focus on being in the tanks or being the soldiers. These are just 
the citizens who have an entire war going on and they have to just survive when all the infrastructure of the city is broken down. It's really gritty take on a game. And so Beat Cop kind of fits more in that idea with that realistic, grittier approach to a familiar concept. So in this case, you were this high-ranking detective guy, but you've been framed for stealing from a senator. And so now you're dropped all the way down to being a beat cop. You're on the street, you have a beat, you have a few blocks to cover, you got to get familiar with the local businesses, you see that there's a gang idea, there's a mafia idea at play, you have to kind of balance those two while still just writing simple tickets for parking violations. And you kind of balance that together. At first you're like, I don't know if being a beat cop is the most enjoyable or even have any concept of fun because you know I'm playing a game to have fun but as you get into it you realize how many different kind of tasks you have to balance at once so you need to deal with writing those parking tickets you like to have a quota you need to write five tickets today but then you know the time goes by relatively quickly you're on the beat at like 8 30 in the morning you're done at six but that time that clock is just ticking down and so you also need to then have these like kind of special event things like one day you might have to follow around or help this Russian guy this Russian police officer who's here for the day or then they have a coming to America theme where Prince Akeem's going to come and you have to make sure no one's parked on the street at all and you have to tow away people and so each day has this new circumstance to deal with and time goes by surprisingly quick as you're trying to get that ticket quota you're talking to the mafia and they want you to deal with gang members and then gang members want you to deal with mafia guys and you have to balance you want to be a cop you don't want to be on the take from either of them and the same thing goes with writing tickets people will come in and be like i'll give you 50 dollars not to write me a ticket but you can't take bribes because you're going to be an up and up cop and so there's balance meters for all these things where everything that you do is going to have a negative or positive impact if you held out the mafia you get plus 10 mafia points but you might get five less gang points or vice versa on those scenarios and then just being a cop of writing a ticket that gets you plus one but taking a bribe is going to give you minus five and so it's a constant balancing act of different tasks every single day yeah there is just so much going on with this game it, well first the the look let's start with the look <laughs> this if, when it started off like your t- takes place in the 80s it reminded me a lot of sierra online the whole police quest series like it has that same kind of almost sort of pixely art but it feels very 80s like they did a great job of tying the art style and just the gameplay style to like something you would see in the 80s and the whole thing takes place in the 80s but like you said it's that this war of mine that real grittiness there's uh it the, the dialogue in here is it gets racist at times there's uh language in here so if you're somebody who gets easily offended i don't think this is probably the game for you but it does a nice job of this is probably what it was like to be a police officer in the city in the 80s where like they didn't care what they were saying they didn't care if they were making fun of minorities like this is probably how it really was like and you have to balance all of these various things so like you said you have the the parking tickets you have to keep on doing every day but then other things will constantly come up you'll get little calls in that says like there's someone shoplifting you have to chase after them and run them down and hopefully you have enough stamina left to run them down 
put the cuffs on him and take him away. Or someone, some little old woman needs help with her, with her cat. <clears throat> so you got to go in and then she asks you to go buy donuts. And then you got to remember what her order was for donuts and go buy her donuts and bring them back her, her donuts. Or then there's a dead body that appears. So now you got to interview people around the dead body. And meanwhile, like that clock is always ticking. So you're never going to get everything done. But there's all these checklist items that you have to try to finish. And then depending on how you prioritize them, you'll have those various things of who, who, what, kind of almost like um whatever that the 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 reigns kind of game where you constantly have those up and down of those different values where you have the gang mm -hmm. and you have the the mafia and so you're constantly having to try, try to make these quick snap judgments of how will this help me in those various rankings like will this put me on the bad side of them or not or will i get caught taking the bribe but then again i need money because i got to pay my alimony so Will I have enough money to pay my alimony at the end of the week? I won't if I don't take a bribe because I'm not earning enough. So now you have to kind of weigh these like choices that you're making while you're also just racing against the clock trying to get everything done. And maybe I write a bogus ticket because and then have the person I agree to throw it away because they'll give me money. And so it's it's really interesting the way they've kind of worked all this stuff in. Does it get a little repetitive? Sure, but it's still like they constantly are, every morning new things are coming in, new things for you to do, new tasks, people, and so it, it always kind of remained interesting and keeps you engaged as you kind of work your way through this story that's going through. Yeah, the overarching story keeps you compelled to come day to day, and then each day is going to give you an individual task. Like, there's the bare bones similarities of writing tickets and visiting these different shops but then like you said there's those overarching like time sensitive things like you'll even start the day make sure you run you go your whole block before 11 30 in the morning so that means you need to because that's going to take a while just to walk that length but you also need to write certain parking tickets for the day and then you'll get those temporary disruptions in your day like there's a robbery over at the drugstore well the drugstore is at the opposite end of where i'm at so i need to then make it back all the way over there but if i do that i might not make it back to the end of the corner by 11:30 in the morning and so that's always just kind of a fun challenge but then the idea that a game you know really games should start you know there's the simple quick action games match three games that aren't going to deal with that much stuff but then this game actually delves into moral dilemmas and puts you in that entire idea of being a cop in New York in the 80s and you have these whole different complexities than how the world is and society is in 2019 so it's just a whole kind of different idea you know when you think those moral dilemmas in a game you think like papers please where you're going through people at the border crossing in that Soviet time or Westport Independent where your entire newspaper has these overarching kind of restrictions by the government and you have to decide what to publish and still be balanced because that main idea is you need to be on the good side of the mafia and the gang who are at war with each other and being on good side of either of them it goes against being a good cop and you have to balance all three simultaneously because if you're friendly with the mafia the gang's going to kill you if you're friendly with the gang the mafia is going to kill you if you're friendly with both you're going to get fired and you're not going to you know ever clear your name from this frame job so it's always just 
all these ideas of how do I balance it together with relatively menial tasks in terms of game idea. Yeah, Papers, Please and Westport, those were definitely two I thought of as I was playing this. But in, even with the, the, the repetitiveness of writing the tickets, to me that almost adds to the realism of this is probably what the job is like. Yeah. You're just doing this menial task while waiting for something big to happen or some other event to happen. Then now it's game on and you're just racing against the clock to try to solve these crimes before evidence goes away or people dis disrupt the body or some other aspect kind of destroys the thing you're doing. And so it kind of it just seems to fit and help create this whole kind of world that you're just pulled into this was definitely a game where i just found all of a sudden time was like drifting away while i was playing i was so engaged in just playing it and then i would finish a day and I'm like well i could stay up and play another day and then so then i would stay up and play a little bit more and a little bit more it just it was just a really engaging and interesting kind of slice of life and just those questions of what are you going to do which cho choice am i going to make here and you don't have a lot of time there's a clock even ticking on those so you don't uh you can't really think about it. you just got to go with your gut and go with your instinct which is probably what a lot of police work is so it just always keeps on tying and adding to that layers and layers of kind of pulling you into what it's like to be a police officer yeah, you can definitely get lost in this game. It's easy to just go from day to day because, you know, part of the game, it feels like you're a check, chicken with its head cut off. You're just running around. Oh, there's a dead body in the alley you have to go deal with. But, oh, that took 15 minutes as crime scene came and cleaned it up. And now you're running out of time. And then, of course, the sergeant's going to be on your back constantly. It's like you did your best day. You got like 15 tickets road and you checked in on everybody and all this good stuff and then at the end of the day you actually missed one robbery because you couldn't catch them down in time because they were on the opposite end of the block it's already 4 p.m and you still needed two more tickets to write to double your bonus pay to then tie into the alimony and so then he gets on you for that and so you're trying to be your best cop and it's not good enough so then you go well what's the point of this? I'm going to help the mob then because I know that's going to get me some money and they're not going <laughs> to kill me. And so, I, I mean, I can see kind of why cops in the 80s would take bribes when you're talking about money and life and death. Right, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how tied into real life this is, but it seemed like very plausible to me. Like, I would put that... Yeah, the, just the scenarios they give you in this plausible game. on there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it makes it tough decisions. Even if yep. they embellish the truth, they have given you some really tough decisions to make. And like you said, you have to make them in real time because that clock is continuously ticking. And if you make it to that next day and you don't write enough tickets, you know, you get docked $25 or whatever. And that alimony, guess what? It's $300 the first week. It goes up to $600 the next week, but you're still only being paid $50 a day. So there's got to be something to balance the books. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And so that's Beat Cop. It was a definite highlight this week. Definite highlight of 2019 so far. And if we get to the end of 2019 and we're talking about Beat Cop again, don't be surprised. Yep. So it's $4.99. It's universal. Next up is Hit the Light, which on the surface, you know, I saw the screenshots. I saw the trailer. I was like, okay, I like this kind of game. It's like Bust a Move in the past, but with more solid ideas. It's like Amazing Breaker, which came out back in 2011. It was like top of the charts back then. I'm like, okay, this is cool. This is cool. 
you play Hit the Light, and it's like, this is not cool at all. It's super, <laughs> super simple. I mean, you get 100% on each level with barely even looking at the screen. They give you way too many powerful items. Like, you get one bomb, which blasts, like, the whole middle of this <laughs> neon, you know, artistic architecture. And then you have these uh, little, like, jujitsu stars that you can just throw and then they go straight through everything so you, now you cleared out most everything and then you have a triple ball you have seven of those and so i'm playing you know i play 10 levels i'm like okay maybe that was the introductory tutorial set then you play the next 10 levels and they didn't introduce anything new at all you're like okay let me try some more and just nothing changes i mean they even give you more abilities as you go but the structures don't get necessarily more complex as you go i I was disappointed because I thought this was going to be good. You know, if you go into a game, oh, this is going to suck and it sucks, you're like, cool. But when you think it's going to be like a fun type of game when you like that kind of brick breaker style and this is what you get, you're left wanting. Yeah, no, this was so bad. Like, it's almost like every single level seemed the same. It was a different shape, like a different neon light, but it really didn't make a difference. And all you had to do every single level, you just use the bomb. You blow up a, a portion of it that now you can then toss your triple shot marble metal balls into and they bounce around. Now they can get into the, even the center since you broke it wide open with the bomb. And then you can just keep, they ricochet around a while. They don't ricochet as much as I thought they would, but you have enough of them that you can take out pretty much everything. And then the couple of little pieces that might be left over, a couple of those ninja stars and the, everything's gone. Like easy 100% every single level and then they introduced like all of a sudden there's like these double Akimo guns I'm like oh that's <laughs> kind of cool this is going to be good and like no you get to try that and then if you want to use those you can subscribe to this app so it's a subscription based app where you can pay $3.99 for a weekly membership you can pay $9.99 for a monthly membership or $50 for a year and it gives you like bonus gems and it gives you it removes the ads and i don't like who would want to play this past even those first 10 levels when you see the next pack of levels is identical it really does it's so boring like it just never changes and never gets interesting that i don't understand the appeal of it i don't understand why it has an insane number of great reviews I don't know. I thought I was missing something. I went back, and as far as I could tell, I'm not missing anything. It's the same thing over and over and over again, which was really, really disappointing. Yeah, it's well-designed. I'll give it that. But there's no gameplay, really, at all. You're essentially just destroying these well-made things as effortly as possible. The way they could improve this game would be to change up the structures so you know you have these more ornate things that are in different places and can't be cleared really quickly with the bombs or the ninja stars or restrict what you have access to shooting or even include a three star system where it's fewer shots i mean you get seven of those triple balls at the first i thought that the bomb and the ninja stars you might have to pay to use them so i didn't even try to use them i was just (laughs) using the seven balls and i cleared everything and then i started using those and you know you need like two or three of the triple balls and you have four remaining after you use those big heavy duty things 
Yeah, I, I, I thought it was like, okay, we're going to let you try this bomb yeah. and see how cool it is, and then you're not going to get it on the next turn. I'm like, maybe I should save it. Uh, I'll go ahead and use it. And then, like, the next turn, I see, wait a minute, my count is back to, I have this thing again. That thing is so powerful. But, yeah, they need to spread out things. If they're going to make it so you have limited ammo or limited types of those things or have a star system, they need to actually make it possible. Like, you can't just throw a star system and then say if you get in this number, but then never make it actually even possible. As long as they design the levels in a way that it's possible, you just got to figure out the the way to use the items they give you, make it more of like a puzzle game. That would be more fun than, the, than this is because there's no puzzle to it. You know you're going to be able to beat it. Every single level is so easy to beat. So, and I, I don't know, it just was a big disappointment and i don't know what happened i don't know if it changed since it launched and maybe it was better before i don't know i just something to me is just missing from this game i don't know what it is yeah if you do like the style though i would recommend amazing breaker it hasn't been updated for you know the new screen so it has the letterbox on the phone but just the gameplay idea where if you hit you launch the ball and it hits at certain areas that gives you more unlockable balls where it kind of strategizes your shots to maybe not focus on destroying the most and you focus on areas to collect additional shots later on. That's a really good mechanic that Hit the Light would really benefit from, but since it doesn't have it, Amazing Breaker, it's old, but it's a much better game. I remember this game. Yeah, it was like everything was kind of ice. Yeah, right? they're all ice yeah. objects. Yeah, unfortunately, it looks like it was back in the days of separate iPad and yep. uh, iPhone apps. But yeah, the dark times. That was a, yeah, <laughs> the dark times. And so, hit the light. It's free. It's universal. And then there's sheeping around, which I know it's. I'm gonna let Brett describe it because it's it, it's up his alley. Okay. Yeah. So sheeping around is a two-player card game where one person plays as kind of like a shepherd kind of trying to bring sheep out to a uh to one of these four different grazing fields and you basically have to have them graze for four cards worth four points of grazing and then you can call them back and then you have to be the first to collect two of the sheep back the other person is playing as like a wolf and so they're trying to get four of these things to lure the sheep to over to them and they would take them and basically eat them but you're basically competing so it's kind of almost like a tug of war where you're playing cards on these different piles and trying to either lure sheep or save the sheep and so you have a deck of 50 cards and you start with a starting deck of cards and as you play the game you can unlock new cards and you add them to your deck after move cards to add new cards in your deck and then you're dealt out random cards from your deck and you can play them so there's cards that let you graze there's cards that let you play additional cards so normally you would just play one card on your turn to one of the piles and that's it Otherwise, you can play one of these special cards that then lets you maybe draw extra cards into your hand or play additional cards on your turn. And so that kind of allows you to do multiple things on your turn. The biggest problem I had with the game was it felt like, while it's a beautiful and very well-made game, it felt like it relied totally on luck as to what came up in your deck 
as to if you were going to be able to beat the other player or not. There was some nice back and forth during the gameplay, but it all eventually came down to, am I the one who got the right cards at the right time in order to save the sheep or eat the sheep? And it to me, it just was too much luck to be strategic than uh, I'd like it to be. I don't know how they could change it, but it just needs to be more strategic than relying totally on just the luck of the draw of your cards. Yeah, I definitely saw the luck playing out and just also the timing of the stacks. Like it seemed the first the person who went first would have the advantage. It could be circumvented if you got better cards, but if you had relatively similar loadouts, then it seems like I would play two grays, then they would play two steel. Then I would play one graze, and then they would play one steel. And it's like we both are on four, and it's just a matter if you have the whisper or the actual steel card available to play. It seemed like each stack, because there's only three potential sheep to play on, so it's not like, oh, here, I'm going to put my graze on this sheep, and you go put your steel on that sheep, and then, oh, here, I'm, let me put another steel on the sheep that you're about, you have like four graze points and I have, I'm gonna put my one steel on your grazed sheep. No, I'm gonna keep adding to the one that I've already been building up or you build towards the same thing. It seemed like it was always just kind of this give and take process of these repetitive turns where we were playing, aiming for the same things. There wasn't that many different things you could do. Essentially those special cards allow you to speed up kind of the process of the game but it didn't change the core structure of the game. It was just too kind of simple in scope of just three sheep available on screen. And essentially one major move was to either graze up to four points to then get it to your side. Yeah, so it definitely gets a lot more interesting when you start playing against other people online because now they have different decks if they've played enough where they've unlocked additional cards and swapped out some of the cards. So you don't have that constant where everyone's getting basically the mirror card uh, that you're playing. Because I played a, a number of online matches where we definitely had different decks of cards. So it ended up being a lot more interesting where I had certain cards where I could lock them out from playing and then they didn't have anything they could fight that against that so then maybe they went over to another pile and started doing something over on on that pile instead so i think once the decks got more mixed up it ends up being a more interesting game but it doesn't take away from the fact that it's all going to come down to what you draw and if you don't have the right cards at the right time like i almost lost a match because <clears throat> i didn't have until almost my last card the cards I need to call the sheep back. So I had the sheep. I had them four grazed. They were waiting and ready to go. but And then I had to keep on defending them because I was just waiting on the card I needed in order to call them back and win the game. And so it just... The fact that it comes down to you having to wait for a certain card to appear was kind of annoying, and it, it felt like it took it away out of my hands, and now I'm just kind of just waiting on the luck of maybe it'll come up, maybe it won't, before they get whatever card they need. So, it, I don't know. I, it just, something needs to change in it, and 
but otherwise just from like a, a looks wise like everything is beautifully done like the in, the interface is great the cards kind of animate when you when you touch them so you see almost as you see like them actually doing like a sheep call to call the the sheep back it's cute little uh drawings on the cards and so it's a very well-made game i think they just need to tweak the rules a bit yeah i, I can definitely see that for me there's many better card type of multiplayer games to play oh yeah i, I mean, there's no shortage of of excellent uh card games on the app store but uh yeah so this one it, unfortunately it's kind of a miss for me um i'm gonna keep an eye on it see if things get updated but otherwise it was kind of a disappointment so that's sheeping around it's 2.99 it's universal and then to round out the new games is backfire it's a kind of like a arcade shooter type of game it's been compared to kind of geometry wars and tilt to live but with a different control scheme. So it's called Backfire because you tap the screen to move, and each time you tap, it shoots a bullet out to kind of propel forward. So you need to use that mechanic because all different kinds of enemies are going to be on you. So you want to tap in such a way that your ship moves to a point, and when it moves, it has the enemy right on its tail. So when you shoot out that bullet, it destroys the enemy. And then as you go through the game you're gonna pick up these little collectibles those collectibles will let you upgrade to different weapon types like a shotgun or a minigun and they all have that backfire idea but they do more damage so it lets you kind of get through the game the kind of problem for me is that the mechanic wasn't that bad I, I liked the different idea of it it just seemed like the gameplay wasn't as challenging as I'd hoped I think it may be the billing of the App Store description. You know, it may be other people talking about the game and comparing it to something like Tilt to Live, or just you know the description saying it's, it's super challenging, super difficult. You read the iTunes reviews, oh, this game is so hard, and you play the game, and you're kind of just monotonously going through the experience. I think it was my expectations going in hurt the overall experience because even as you unlock those new abilities, it's still. It never seemed to get that difficult. Uh, maybe it's people aren't familiar with the mechanic and that takes a while to get used to, but I actually liked the mechanic. It seemed more just the pace of the enemies that come at you never really becomes challenging enough. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely see that. I struggled a little bit with the, with the mechanic at the beginning just because it was a little awkward to be running away from someone or from the enemies and that's how you're firing on them. They, it's coming out the backside rather than you kind of going f face on trying to attack them and, and kill them so that took it was just a little kind of a change in perspective that kind of threw me for a loop at first uh so like the very first weapon you get you're constantly moving you're basically just tapping and you move in that direction and it's constantly automatically firing for you you can then kind of upgrade your weapons. You can unlock additional weapons. It's a little unclear what the different weapons do. They kind of give you descriptions, but they're not the most clearest uh, and easy to understand descriptions. So I originally unlocked an additional weapon, and I figure I'm going to move the same way. Well, no. This weapon... It, it shot like this giant bullet when you tapped and you kind of spurred it away from the enemy wherever you tapped and then would fire this giant thing behind you. But then you would just stop and you had limited number of fires unless you picked up bullet fragments. And then if you ran out of bullets, you just didn't even move. Well, 
I didn't realize when I bought this weapon that I had to then re-equip my other weapon to have that as an option as well. So then I'm just sitting dead in the water and then I died. So then the next time around I realized I got both these weapons and now you can switch between them and maybe you switch away from the one that has to be recharged and use the one that's kind of maybe less powerful but you can always have and kind of protect yourself. But it still it, that felt a little awkward, the switching around, and then you kind of almost had to switch the way you moved depending on which one of the 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 weapons you chose. So I don't. It just kind of took you out of the game and made it a little bit different. And then as far as like the enemies go, yeah, it's not tilt to live where there's a whole bunch of things on the screen at once. Or Donkey Pung, which came out a couple of weeks ago, that was even more challenging than this is. It was kind of, it, there were a couple of enemies that kind of moved really fast and you kind of had to keep moving to get away from them because they would kind of catch up on you. But you never felt like you were super overwhelmed. If they did kind of overwhelm you in this game, then maybe you just tapped at the wrong space and you ran into them by accident. And that's usually what happened to me. And then they kind of attack you and start eating away your health. And you can, if you tap quickly enough, you can usually kind of get away from their claws and then you're just kind of at reduced health. But... It definitely didn't seem super duper challenging. If they're advertising this as like an insanely difficult game, I think there's a lot more insanely difficult games in the App Store. This isn't necessarily one of them. Uh, but overall, I think I kind of enjoyed it. It's just more of a getting used to that different style of the shooting. It's but switching between the weapons still felt awkward to me, and that was kind of a turnoff. But overall, I, I would say I, I kind of enjoyed it more than I thought it was going to. In my initial plays, I really didn't like it, but the more I played, it kind of grew on me, and I'm, I'm curious to try to play through more of the, the battles, see if they maybe get tougher or more interesting with different enemy types. Yeah, I, I definitely can see that. My problem, it seemed like when I died, it's because my eyes started glazing over because I was just kind of tapping and easily <laughs> avoiding them. And the outset, when you move in a triangle pattern, you can almost always avoid them and still get the proper shot off. More difficult enemies come, and then they essentially wait for the last possible second until they're close on you and then tap once and they're dead because they chase on your tail so hard. And I like the idea that there's a chapter system. I like that there's bosses. I just couldn't even get in the game enough to care just because... It started so slowly and monotonously that I just I couldn't get there. I, I love the idea of changing up the game control scheme and that idea, but there's no progress on the screen as you're going. And then, like you said, I did also notice that idea of changing weapons where it's kind of at a disconnect of what you're doing. Like if they could do like tap with two fingers to switch weapons really quick or even have a secondary control always be two fingers to tap to activate to move since they already have the touch to move i think it would help more than this small menu system in the bottom left right right and then you also kind of have to keep an eye on the bullets of that one you have to look off to the side to be able to see the bullets of that one to see how much you have left mm -hmm. it was just kind of took you out of the system and where the controls for the different weapons are completely different it's not just a matter of firing like you would in normally in these games it would be a different type of firing mechanic this you have to actually change the whole way you move the character or think about moving the character uh, around the screen when you switch weapons. It's not just a matter of this is my new bullet type. It's a whole shift in the way you move as well. 
Yep. And so that's Backfire 299. It's universal. And that's all the new games this week. Yeah, and so one last thing I just want to quickly mention. We'll talk about Evolution, the video game, uh, uh, probably next week. But it just came out today, and they're running a promotion where if you play every day, you have a chance, if you play at least one online match, you have a chance at winning one of a thousand copies of the physical board game as well. And so they're giving away ten every day to any to a random person that plays at least one game uh, online game that day so if you start from today you have the best possible chance of winning a copy you do have to pay for the shipping yourself but they're giving away free copies uh, a thousand of them in total so i just want to mention it so you don't miss out on a day of possibly winning a copy if you're interested yep and so that's everything for episode 90 brett thanks for joining me oh it's a pleasure as always to everyone listening we hope you enjoyed and we'll talk to you next time Talk to you later.